0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Litmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I'd like to begin this episode by talking about an event that took place at the gate of the temple in Jerusalem, which was called Beautiful, as well as the aftermath of that event. We'll go to Acts chapter 3 and read verses 1 through 8. The passage says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. In the temple, Peter and John boldly proclaimed the gospel of Jesus, attributing the miracle to him and convicting the people of his murder and declaring that God had raised him from the dead and that all of it had been before attested to by the prophets. Their words did not fall on all receptive ears. Not everyone who heard them that day received the word gladly. We'll pick up reading now in chapter 4, verse 1, and read through verse 13. This is what we find. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them, and they put them into hold unto the next day, for it was now evening tide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about five thousand. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes And Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power, or by what name, have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people, and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Now we have looked at this entire account to get to the last statement in verse 13. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It was apparently not until this moment that Peter and John were recognized by these men of the Sanhedrin as having been former associates of Jesus. Although it is probable that all of these men had seen them together before the Lord's death, and we know that John knew Caiaphas and Caiaphas knew him according to John chapter 18 and verse 15. But I think that there is something more here than just physically recognizing them the passage clearly indicates that there was something about the Apostles that was different. There was something about them that puzzled the Sanhedrin, something more than that they were able to discern. We are even told that they marveled at the boldness of Peter and John, whom they perceived to be unlearned and ignorant men in the sense of not having studied in one of the great rabbinical schools. But the verb that is translated took knowledge, is an imperfect tense verb which probably doesn't mean that much to you except in this way. It means that one by one the rulers began to realize the reason for their boldness. They had been with Jesus. What difference would it have made to them that they had been with Jesus? And how would that have helped the Sanhedrin to understand unless they were acting like Jesus? There are a few points that I would like for us to consider in the rest of this episode one being the passage is clear that one of the things that struck the leaders of the jews as peter and john stood before them was their great courage and power with which they spoke the king james translation called it boldness yes they could take note that they had been with jesus for their master had stood before these same leaders and displayed tremendous moral courage Before Annas, who questioned Jesus of his disciples and his doctrine, the Lord had replied in in John chapter 18, verses 20 and 21, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why ask thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. Standing before Caiaphas and the rest of the council with his life hanging in the balance Caiaphas asked him art thou the Christ the son of the blessed and Jesus responded in Mark 14 and verse 62 with these words I am And ye shall see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven Jesus showed his great moral courage in stating the facts and the truth, no matter how offensive the facts and truth might be to the leaders who listened, Peter and John did the same thing. No wonder Caiaphas and Annas took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. They were acting like him. My friends, we should always remember that our words and our conduct as professed disciples of the Lord Jesus are being watched. The world does take knowledge of us. The question is, When they do, what do they see? Do they see men and women of great moral courage, men and women who will stick to the truth with a steadfastness of principle, as did the Lord? Let me tell you something. To be a Christian takes courage. It always has. In our society today, it takes courage to stand on the principles of right, to stand opposed to such things as abortion, divorce for any reason, homosexuality, and on and on and on we could go. It takes courage to stand up and speak for the Lord, no matter how offensive what the Lord had to say might be to those listening. When these kinds of subjects come up at work, at school, or wherever, will those around us be able to take note that we have been with Jesus? there are so many passages of scripture that exhort christians to be men and women of courage think of paul's statement in ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 14 where he wrote these incredible words finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. He tells us where that power and that courage comes from. It comes from the Lord. It is not easy to stand up for what you know to be right, especially when what you know to be right is so unpopular. But when we do, people will take knowledge that we have been with Jesus because in that moral courage, we will be acting like him. Also, while the passage does not specifically say so, It is probable that the Jewish council was also struck by the character of these men. It is true that they were not educated men for the most part. They had not sat at the feet of Gamaliel as Paul had. They had not attended one of the great rabbinical schools of their time. But they were obviously men of strong faith, true humility, and godly zeal, just like their master had been. For three years they had been with Jesus, under his influence and no one can truly be with jesus without being changed for the better in romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 paul described the process in this way he wrote i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. My friends, when we have been with Jesus, we begin to manifest those attributes of character that were so apparent in Him. Has there ever been anyone who epitomized the fruit of the Spirit more than Jesus? He was a man of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, Goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. We are told in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, which is just another way of saying be like Jesus. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 for even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Over and over we are urged to be like Jesus, to display the same attributes of character that he displayed, to be molded in the mold of Jesus. I guess being with Jesus is best described by Paul in Galatians chapter two and verse 20, where he wrote the following incredible words. I am crucified with Christ, Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll tell you, being with Jesus means that he is a part of us. When the world looks our way, they will take knowledge that we have been with Jesus, if we truly have, because that means we will be acting like him. When you get right down to it, I think it could well have been one more point that caused the Sanhedrin to take knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. What was it that caused Peter and John to heal that man in the first place? What was it that caused them to preach the gospel in the temple and to stand so courageously before the leaders of their people? It was the same thing that had caused Jesus to do the things that he did. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14, For the love of Christ constrains us. That was the ruling principle of all that the apostles did, because they had been with Jesus, and that was the ruling principle of his life. It was their love for the Lord that caused them to risk life and limb before the Sanhedrin. It was love for the unsaved that caused them to say what they needed to hear, even when what they needed to hear angered their listeners and endangered their lives. As Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin and said, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I was reminded of Paul's words in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 16 when he said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And it was love for the brethren that caused them to be together and to treat each other as Jesus would have treated them. I like a statement that is made in Acts chapter 4 as the account of that great event was drawing to a close. It's found in verse 32 after Peter and John had gone back to the brethren and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. The verse begins with, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. There is evidence of being with Jesus. Look with me at John's words on this particular point in 1 John 4, beginning with verse 7 and going through the remainder of the chapter. John wrote these words, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time, If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwells in God and God in Him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God, love his brother also. It is apparent that our brethren, perhaps even more than any others, should be able to know by the way we treat each other by the compassion that we have to one another, by our willingness to share the good times and the bad, that we have been with Jesus, that in truth, he lives with us. Can you think of a better thing that could be put on your tombstone than an Ephesah that says, you took knowledge that they have been with Jesus? These are just some words for you to think about, and I want to thank you for listening.